This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. On the news side of things, uh, very similarly, I mean, we, some, some of these companies, Facebook, for example, makes hundreds of millions of dollars based on, on the media content that you and, and, and other companies in Canada, media companies in Canada develop, and you're not being fairly compensated for it. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's immoral to me, uh, and it's unacceptable. And, and we, want to, we, we want to change that. News Media Canada, the lobby group representing the major newspaper publishers in Canada, recently launched a new campaign that calls for the creation of a government digital media regulatory agency that would have the power to establish mandated payments by internet companies merely for linking to news articles. As you just heard, Canadian Heritage Minister Stephen Guibault who has made getting money from web giants his top legislative priority, has expressed support for mandated licensing for links. But not everyone in the sector, or even within News Media Canada, agrees with the position. Jeff Algie is the CEO and majority shareholder in Village Media, a digital-only media organization that operates local news and community websites throughout Ontario. He joins me this week on the podcast to talk about operating local news sites in the current environment, why he welcomes referral traffic from companies like Facebook and Google, and why, though he respects News Media Canada, he hopes that a new association will emerge that better represents the diversity of news media in Canada. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. You know, there's there's certainly been a lot of commentary around news media in Canada, its survival in the current digital age, and some of the proposals that we've seen come forward. But not all that many people who can speak from the perspective that you're about to bring, sort of trying to to make a go of it from a digital perspective in local communities. So I, I want to get onto some of or into some of the policy pressure points for reform that have been floated by the Canadian Heritage Minister and, and talked about by some of the industry lobbyists. But before we do that, not everyone will be familiar with Village Media. Can you tell me a bit more about your company, where it operates and how it operates? Sure. Um, and again, thanks for having me. So Village Media is a, a peer play digital local news publisher. Um, I'll often jokingly say that we're like a daily newspaper without the paper. We, um, we now operate 14 cities in Ontario, uh, two specialty business publications in Ontario as well. Uh, and our headquarter and, and the original site in our network is in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. So that's where I am uh, today. Uh, most people would call us uh, a hyper local in, in that we focused most exclusively on the the local market that we're in. So while you will find, you know, news from, for example, the Canadian press on the sites, that that in fact is a very, very small part of our readership. So very, very strong focus on local communities. Okay, interesting. Uh, you talked a bit about uh, where you operate. How do you operate? What kind of journalist, journalism presence do you have in these local communities? Uh, depending on the size of the market. So we, um, you know, we operate in markets as small as 10,000 people. Um, and in our owned and operated network, uh, up to about 150,000 people. So we, we have kind of a separate stream of the company that licenses sites to another 21, well, another 21 communities across a number of other publishers. But for our own markets, that's the, the kind of band that we operate in. 
And so they have varying degrees of, of sizes of local newsrooms. So the smallest would have a newsroom of one in the market of 10,000, which is, it's really a, a kind of a satellite community sandwich between two of our larger markets. Um, and then, you know, uh, a market like Aurelia, for example, where you've got a, a community of about 30,000 people would have, you know, roughly three full-time reporters. And then you'd have a market like Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Guelph, where each of those now has, you know, an editor and six or seven full-time reporters. So we actually now have a new uh, target that, that we would suggest is kind of a, a, an adequate or, or an optimal um, editorial count of, of around one per 15,000 people in a population is where we want to get all of our markets to. Okay, that's interesting. Now, you, you mentioned some of the communities that you're operating in. How, what's the decision-making process in terms of trying to identify where you're going to operate? Yeah, um, so first, you know, to some extent, as I mentioned, is size. So, you know, we look at ourselves as, as a, a local paper. We're certainly not intending to be a national. Um, we don't consider ourselves, at, at least in the, in the format that we're in, to enter a market like Toronto. So we tend to operate in that band of around uh, on average, 20, 30,000 people up to about 150,000 people. So markets like Barrie or Guelph. So that's that's the first kind of criteria. Um, and, and that leads to um, what we would define as a community that has a sense of its own community identity. And so, you know, doesn't necessarily feel like a, a bedroom community to Toronto. Um, so we'll often look for markets where people not only live, but live and work. And in many cases, um, you know, kind of were born there, right? Like this is their, their family, their home. And so, you know, it, it really comes down to, are, are they engaged in, in local news or they engage in community information? And so we look for that. After that, um, you know, proximity to our other markets is a consideration. So you could imagine that, you know, the, the network itself gets more and more efficient as we grow. Um, you know, there's oftentimes, uh, shared coverage in a region. So we're in six markets in Simcoe, for example, uh, oftentimes uh, reporters are sharing work that they're doing across sites. And of course, there's more efficiency in sales as well. Uh, so proximity is one. And, and then the last one, which is kind of a, a more immediate trigger that in some cases can, can to some extent override the above questions is, is the, the event when a daily newspaper closes. And, and, and that's often uh, you know, obviously a terrible and sad moment in time, but it's also a very um, large opportunity um, in terms of a moment in time for us to move quickly and, and jump into a market like that. And, um, you know, so, so that will be a key indicator. Now that, that oddly um, does not mean that when we look for markets, we look for ones that don't have it daily. In fact, the opposite is true. Um, our belief is that a market that either has an existing daily um, or has just lost one is, is optimal because to some extent they've already trained the audience. You know, they train the audience to, to value local news, to consume local news and to, to go looking for it. And so uh, it, it's pretty rare that you'd find us in a market that doesn't or hasn't just recently had a daily newspaper. So you mentioned both the sales side and, and, and what takes place when, when a newspaper closes, you know, can you give some insight into the economics on your end? Obviously, when, when a newspaper closes in a community, it's sending the signal that it doesn't believe it can make a go of it. Um, what's your business model that, that differs from, from some of those papers and, and why you think you're able to survive and indeed thrive in some of these communities? Well, um, it's a great question. I mean, 
you know, when I when you look at uh, the situation where where a newspaper folds, again, what you have is you have this audience that's trained with a certain behavior, and that um, you know seeks uh, local news. And so, from an audience development standpoint, if we can come into that market, and in the case of like an Aurelia, for example, hire basically the entire editorial team that was at the former paper, um, it, it dramatically accelerates. Uh, the, the the audience uh, on the site, which of course leads to revenue. And, you know, for us, I mean, I think why do, why can we make the business work? I think the simplest answer I can give is that you know we've built this business from scratch as a pure play digital publisher. So we are, um, you know, that's all we do, all we think about, um, all we build sales and product out of, all we think about when it comes to audience acquisition and development. Um, we're lean, you know, we operate efficiently um, in digital, we centralize services where we can. Um, and so I think this, this born digital, um, not only behavior, but infrastructure provides a significant advantage for us. Okay, that's interesting. Now, we of course see with many of the legacy media, the shift to paywalls, and so a move towards subscription-based revenue as a, as a core part of the business model. You haven't mentioned it yet, but what's the business specifically the access business side for for your publications is it all ad based is it paywalled or a bit of a mix it's a mix and 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 it's probably the most important question so we first off i would say we do not believe in a a full paywall um at at local market level Um, we have always taken the position that we believe that reach in a community is key to success and so uh, because of that of course we focus on on developing audiences and then, of course, we take that audience and focus on building measurable value for local market businesses. And so in our world, um, local sales, so direct sales from direct local salespeople, makes up generally 70 to 75% of our revenue uh, on a month-to-month basis. You know, from there, um, we do sell inventory through you know, open auction, uh, programmatic um, deals, et cetera, which can make up you know, around 20%. And then the, the remaining, you know, 10 or so is made up of a mix of self-serve kind of personal classified ads in the sense it's, you know, someone's trying to sell a piece of furniture, uh, for example, online and buys a premium ad. And, and a new stream for us, which is um, either a voluntary pay, like a contribution stream, or, or what we just launched last Monday, which is a membership program. Um, but not to be confused with the paywall, it is not at all... Um, that one bit. So we, um, you know, we're, we're very much big believers in, in the model that we, we, we follow. And, and we've just learned that it takes all of these things firing to make the business really work. Probably no different than, you know, many years ago, if you think about a healthy local market daily newspaper, they never survived by just having ads beside news content. They had things like paid obituaries. They had things like paid classifieds and real estate listings and automotive listings and a whole bunch of other things that, that made the whole business work. We think about um, the business today no differently, although, although some of those, those um, products have changed. But, but the reality is you need a whole bunch of things working to make, to make the business work overall. Okay. It's an interesting perspective. I assume that Potentially one of the other sources of revenue might come from a new news licensing program that Google has launched. And you're one of two Canadian companies that was announced as part of that initial launch. Can you tell me a bit about that program? And and I guess, why are you in and just about all, literally all of the large legacy publishers in Canada, at least for the moment, are not? 
Sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much you know about Showcase, but but I mean, just quickly, um, you know, it's it's basically a, another surface inside of Google News that's designed to bring forward um, news produced by local publishers. It's a bit more of a curated experience in that you know we can kind of define. Uh, almost these 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 uh, digests that, that go up uh, at certain points during the day and and you know I gather once it launches we'll have some higher level of prominence for those people in that local market um, you know when they brought it to us our, our biggest concern as it always has been when when talking to a Google or a Facebook for example is that you know we thought they were going to ask us to to bundle up all of our content and then the, the, the browser the viewing experience would happen on their platform. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, it's it's really just a, an elevated experience, not all that different from what you might find in in search or or Google News today. Which means, you know, we're we're selecting a, a headline, an intro, and in, in a photo, and and bundling those up for them. Um, but ultimately, the traffic comes back to our site. And, and, and you know, when they brought this to us to to see if we were interested, you know, I said, well, absolutely. To me, it's just another channel to get. Um, free distribution, which is which is a big part of our business, is getting distribution, of course, and and the notion that they might pay it pay us for it is is was to some extent a bit laughable to me, <laughs> and I actually said to them, well, well, you know that's great, of course we'll we'll, t- we'll take your money, but but I really don't understand why you feel you need to pay us for for free distribution. Um, so so that's you know that's kind of showcase. It, it obviously hasn't launched yet, and I don't know when it will launch. Um, in, in terms of YS. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know who they've talked to. I don't think that's been made public. I, I, I do know they have talked to, to a number of other publishers. Um, I just don't know, don't know to the to what extent. I, I, I think you know they were uh, must have been interested in in wanting to get something to market quickly, and and so probably us and Narcity would just moved quickly on, you know, uh, looking at it and making a decision. And, and so I don't I don't think that you know other the large publishers were by any means excluded they're probably just uh, in the midst of their own review and discussion or negotiation with Google yeah fair enough well, one of the things that they're also seemingly involved with though is a lobbying campaign from news media canada uh, where they're hoping to convince the government to force facebook and google to pay for linking to news articles effectively a link license something that you just described as laughable in terms of that kind of referral <laughs> traffic you know the heritage minister Stephen Guibault has, has certainly expressed some support for that approach i think he's even called the practice of linking to news articles from facebook immoral um, what's your position Let's, I guess, start when we start with just follow, continue on with Google and we come to, to Facebook. I take it that you don't have a big problem with Google linking to your content. No, no, no. I, and, and, you know, I, unfortunately, I, I take a very different view of this than, than the newspaper kind of lobby group in particular. I mean, we've always looked on the distribution side at, at Google and Facebook as friends. And, and so, Friends in the sense that if you look at our markets today, probably on average, 40 to 50% of our total traffic comes from those two companies alone. And that would be through, um, you know, Facebook pages and, and sharing and Google organic search and Google news. And, you know, we've, as I mentioned, we've always been cautious, of course, to just give off our content. So we've never participated in things like Facebook instant articles because we don't want people consuming our content fully on those platforms. 
Um, but that distribution of, of, of traffic is essential to not only sustaining um, even our mature sites, but in, in particular to developing new sites and, and audiences. And, and, and I think, you know, unfortunately, the, the newspaper industry never credits uh, Google and Facebook for that or rarely does. They kind of seem to forget that, that this is something we all get for free. And, you know, about a week ago, as, a, as just an exercise, I kind of went through our our traffic and thought about, well, what if I had to pay for this distribution? And and, and the cost to me um, compared to what we get today and, and compared to, you know, if I had to go to paid search or paid social or or never mind that, but but other ways to to promote our content would be astronomical. And 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 so, you know, what scares me, right, is that if, if the industry attacks these companies and says that, you know, you're stealing our content, which is the, the most frustrating thing to me ever, because the, the reality is, is if I don't want Google to crawl my site, I can put one line of code in there that will prevent it from crawling. And if I don't want to send my content to Facebook, I don't need to do that. I don't have to have a Facebook page. So this notion that the, these companies steal the content, first of all, is, 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 is just factually incorrect, first of all. But, um, you know, it, it just frustrates me that, that you know, what if, for example, Facebook said, well, you know, never mind, we, we don't we don't need news in Facebook anymore because this isn't what this channel was built for. And so we're just going to turn it off. You know, I think the, the, the publishers are forgetting about the, the tremendous value that we get back um, from these companies, you know, and, 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 and then after that, I mean, you know, if I look at Google as an example, you know, we and every other publisher uses a tremendous number of, of, of tools of theirs to, to run our businesses from productivity tools like, uh, you know, everything from email to, to documents, et cetera, to our analytics and ad serving, you know, and, and, and in some way or other, at some point, almost every publisher has taken money from these organizations. They, they've gone in their incubators and their accelerators and things like Google's innovation challenge. And so, you know, they, they've, they've taken this, this free distribution. They've been using all of these tools. They use their ad exchanges to monetize their inventory. They get money and resources and support. And then they're turning around and saying that, you know, these companies are stealing our content and, and, and killing our business. It's just, I, 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 I don't share that view. Yeah, no, clearly not. Thanks for that. Uh, you know, the, with respect to, to Facebook in particular, I just want to confirm because I, I, done a couple of posts that took a look at some of the legacy media organizations like uh, the Toronto Star, for example, and found that unsurprisingly, they post the majority of their articles directly to Facebook. And so I'm assuming you do some of the same, your Facebook pages for your various uh, free various uh, community papers and or news organizations, and you're posting to Facebook, I presume, in the hope of driving traffic back to your site. Absolutely. I mean, we, we post um, basically every relevant piece of local content gets posted to a Facebook channel for every single one of our pages uh, with almost without any question. So we, we don't do things like post much national news, for example, or non-news items to our Facebook pages because we don't believe that's why our audience follows us. But we effectively push every single thing that hits our local news feed, feeds on our site to our Facebook pages. Why? Because it's massive free distribution for us. I mean, you know, that alone typically 
And it's a little lower than it used to be because Facebook from time to time, I think, tunes their algor algorithms a little bit. But, you know, th that alone might represent, you know, again, 15 to 20 percent of our, our, our traffic um, in some markets and in new markets, it, it's, it can sometimes represent more. And so, you know, absolutely, we would always do that. And never mind that we do that for free, but we also sometimes pay to post articles to Facebook, meaning we boost posts and we do that because we want to uh, build and find new audiences. Um, we want to run acquisition campaigns. I actually often sometimes joke around and say that we like to abuse Facebook, for example, in the sense that we we want to steal their audience and make it ours. So we'll run paid campaigns in Facebook to acquire newsletter subscribers. And, and, and it's just, it's a tremendous channel for it, even, even in a paid sense. With Google search, you know, it, it, it's no different. We, we get all this, this free traffic from distribution, but we'll pay for search when we're trying to break into a new market. And so, uh, you know, if people are looking for certain um, search terms of interest to us, we will buy that because it's valuable. Um, so yeah, we, we, um, we would never stop publishing Facebook. Um, but again, I think the key for us is that this is by choice and, and, and we're not, you know, they're certainly not stealing it and, and, and we're not publishing our entire article there. We're, we're, we're publishing a simple title image and an intro. And, and, and the intent is of course, to drive people back to our site. Okay. So when, when Facebook talks about the prospect, at least in Australia, they haven't had a lot to say yet about the Canadian situation, but when they talk about the situation in Australia and say, listen, we're going to get out mm -hmm. of the news article sharing business altogether. If you move towards a mandated link license licensing system, and there's every reason to believe that they would take a similar kind of approach. If the government would move forward with that kind of policy in Canada, I take it that would, that would have a pretty significant impact based even on what you've just described. If suddenly you found you get swept up in that blocking of news article sharing on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, it would be that, and that's the crazy thing. It, it wouldn't be, so it probably wouldn't be devastating to us, but it would be significant. It would make a significant negative impact on our business, but it would for all of those publishers as well. And, and this is what I don't think they're understanding, especially with Facebook, right? Is that it, it wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that they would follow through for sure. I, I obviously don't know, but but it wouldn't be unreasonable for them to make the claim that, look, Facebook was never built for news publishers. It was never intended for, for us to put our content on there for free and drive audience out of it. And so what if they just decided to get out of it one day because they were tired of being pressured and, and you know, they didn't want to have to pay a bunch of money to, to carry it? Um, it, it's terrible. I mean, you know, then, then where, where is the industry now? Then they have no money and no free traffic. Yeah, no, the, the impact could be dramatic, uh, which is why I think in some ways we're seeing this escalation of, uh, at a minimum, rhetoric from from both sides on this. Now, now the side that's pushing for link licenses and, and payments for these links, of course, is typified by News Media Canada, which represents some of the very large publishers. Um, we don't see a lot of digital first organizations such as yours from that discussion. So I guess I should ask, are, are you part of that group? Is there a group that's out there that, that represents some of the more innovative digital-based organizations? Well, um, it, that's a good question. So we are. Um, you know, years ago when we were kind of getting going, um, they were the Canadian Newspaper Association. And, you know, we were probably one of the early digital-only companies that that kind of stuck up our hands and said, you know, hey, can we be members? And, and 
fair to them at the time. They said, well, no, we're in a newspaper association, but they were looking at a more broad view of, of news. And, and, and as you probably know, eventually changed their name to News Media Canada to represent diversity of the industry. And, you know, it took, a, it took them a bit to get things organized, but they, they, they did eventually, you know, uh, have us, accept us as a member. Um, and, and you know what? You know, so we've been a member, uh, probably one of the first um, pure play digital members of that association. And certainly our, our hope has always been that, that they would um, be, you know, be the voice for the entire industry. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I, I don't think that has, has become the case. Um, you know, and, and I think up until recently, uh, you know, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I'm a pain to them more than anything. You know, I've been the, the squeaky wheel amongst the group where oftentimes I'll, uh, you know, call, call up um, the executive director, John Hines, who, who to be fair, has been, you know, excellent to, to deal with. He's been, you know, very uh, receptive and responsive to me uh, in terms of our concerns as a digital publisher and the way that it differs from, from the, the, the rest of the group. But, you know, the, the latest kind of campaign um, is a is a is a is another example of the the fact that the, the reality is that it really still is primarily a newspaper association, unfortunately, and, and you don't have to look much past the, the the board itself to realize that this does not any longer represent um, the interests of the the diversity of news media in Canada, um, you know, and. and I get it. It, it. It's been around a long time. It, it's got some very large publishers that are on the board and that that, that make decisions uh, for them. And I understand that, that that is the priority. We're certainly, um, you know, nowhere near the size of them, um, them as a collective group. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, we from time to time will get a little feisty publicly. Uh, you know, I will personally, you know, go on LinkedIn and and, and make a statement and and kind of come out against them a little bit. Um, but, but we've often tried to do it a little more quietly. Uh, what I think is going to happen, which I'm really excited about, is that it, it appears, and, I, and I, it's not my position to share this, but it appears that another association is forming. And, and that will be, um, you know, presumably made up of a, a more diverse group, um, but, but not so much the makeup of it, because there are a lot of digital members of News Media Canada, but I, I think the, the leadership and, the, and the, 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 the drive of it will be, um, geared towards more diverse media companies. And that doesn't mean that, it, it, you know, newspapers wouldn't be allowed. In fact, I, I, I hope many of them would join. But I think that the makeup would, would, would represent um, the shift in this industry um, much better. And so uh, I'm hoping that does come um, to fruition. It, it appears that it will. And, and, and when it does, I, I'm sure they or I will be happy to share more about it. But you can expect that we'll be um, you know, one of the first members to jump on board and, and hopefully, you know, throw our voice um, in the mix. Um, doesn't mean we would abandon News Media Canada. I don't, I don't think we have any intent to do that. Um, but we, we really do need a more collective voice for uh, the, the new part of the media industry, I suppose. Yeah. No, I, well, it's interesting to learn that that those developments are, are maybe coming forward. You know, the government has been very focused on what it hears from obviously the News Media Canada, which has been the, the dominant lobby group on this issue, and to hear that there may be uh, broader perspectives brought to the table through other associations, I think uh, may help shift some of the discussion or at least 
better inform the government as it as it pulls together some of its policy initiatives. Yes. Now, so, now, some of those policy initiatives, at least in the past, have included things like the Local Journalism Initiative, LJI. There's labor tax credits. There's been charitable reforms. Some of those are still in the process of playing out. For me, it's been a bit striking to see demands for yet more reforms when some of the earlier changes worth potentially hundreds of millions of dollars <clears throat> haven't fully been seeded. Uh, have you taken advantage of some of those programs and <laughs> thoughts on some of the earlier approaches the government was taking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll start with the, the local journalism initiative. Um, and, and absolutely. So so we um, have seven local journalism initiative reporters across our network now, uh, covering everything from small rural markets to court in, in markets that didn't have court coverage to diversity to healthcare. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think it's a tremendous program. Um, so, so, you know, if you don't know the government, basically, um, you know, where there is a case that, that an area is, is under is undercovered, it's not serviced appropriately, you, you know, you as a published organization make application to host a reporter position, and, and they cover it for some amount of time. And, and so, you know, it's worked out well because it, you know we've employed journalists that we we might not otherwise, and so have many other media companies. But what what makes it even better is that um, while we host the, the the position, the the reporting that they produce is actually available to all publishers via Creative Commons license. And so, you know, sure it benefits us, but it also benefits other publishers who can carry it. And and best of all, it benefits the readers. So. You know, if, if we as a country or, or our government thinks that journalism is important, then this is, you know, a very direct path to 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 elevating that ac across the whole industry and, and, and to the readership. You know, the labor tax credit program is a bit of a different story. I mean, you know, the industry fought, I think, for years to get this in place. And, and in theory, you know, th this would... Uh, you know, th this is intended to cover about 25% of the wages of, of uh, reporters up to a cap um, and has been supposedly um, applicable since January of 2019. And, and I wish I could tell you that we have taken advantage of this, but I cannot. And, and I cannot because um, it has been so poorly mismanaged um, from our perspective that it is now uh, 22 months later and we still don't even know if we qualify as an organization to receive those credits. Um, now, if we do, uh, then that's tremendous. The, the, you know, we, we will have accrued uh, you know, 25% of those expenses for, for 22 months that in theory would, would, would you know, come due to us, which would be great. And, and, then, and then I guess my view would be as if that happened, um, both of those programs solve for what the most important thing is, which which is saving journalism. And, and I think uh, the good thing about those programs is that, is that they are platform agnostic. So this isn't about, it's not about saving newspapers, for example, it's about saving um, journalism that, that those newspapers or, or other media companies um, produce. And, and I think that 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 works really well. So, um, you know, whether that means it's, it's, uh, extending the runway of a newspaper um, or allowing a new digital startup to to hire someone that they otherwise wouldn't or or taking a, a company like ours and allowing us to scale faster you know it seems to be the right kind of solution to the problem it's just you know especially on the tax credits it's just been a horrible horrible execution um, in the end uh, two years to almost two years to 
to have a program and you still don't know whether or not you qualify. Really, I think hammers home the, the notion that surely the government ought to be focused on actually following through on what it already committed to, as opposed to sort of entertaining the prospect of yet further reforms. It's, it's amazing that they took a lot of credit, so to speak, when it came to announcing some of these reforms, but to, to see this, the, the, the kind of uh, lack of knowledge and uh, lack of visibility as to what applies is, is pretty striking. Yeah. Why don't, why don't we wrap up with this question? It in a sense follows from some of these reforms that we've seen from the government. Whenever I've expressed in some of my conversations concerns with some of the government proposals, the response I get back is, well, what would you do? Um, sounds like one thing that I'd, you could start with is to actually follow through on the promises that have been already been made. But uh, I'm curious uh, what, what your views are. I've always found the question, I must admit, a bit unfair. I don't think it's on critics to have to develop the solutions. But nevertheless, do you have thoughts on what, if any, policies are needed? And obviously, you're making a go of it right now without those policy reforms. But you know, if someone made you minister for the day, what are the kinds of things you'd be looking to do? Well, I, I think you first said it, and then let, let's get the the programs that have been announced working properly um, would be great. Um, so we we'll start there, um, <laughs> and then and then I think as, as I said, I would focus on on journalism, right? And and I think you know the the reality is that that we, for example, cannot solve all the problems. You know, we're we're not big enough. We're not a national publication. You know, so I have tremendous tremendous respect for, for example, the Globe and Mail, and I would never for a moment think that. You know we're going to displace them or replace them um, overnight or anytime in the near future and so I, I can't fairly say to you you know look just give all the money to digital companies because digital is the future um, that wouldn't be reasonable but i think if you focus on funding journalism then it then it, as i said these programs help companies like the globe and mail they help them whether it's you know again expand editorial or or help them transform to you know what I, obviously i believe is the inevitable future, which is which is digital only. Um, but it also helps new startups expand faster. It helps companies like us move more quickly. Um, but it, but more importantly, I mean, this is what this is what the readership wants, right? It's journalism. It's, it's what the country wants, it's what's important to democracy. And so so to me, the focus should be on that as these programs kind of kind of are right. But I think what we need to move away from is trying to solve for a, a, an industry or a platform. And, and, and so if you, again, keep it to journalism, then you keep it um, platform agnostic, then everyone can win. And, and, and ultimately, um, the, the market wins, the readership wins, right? And at that point, then the, the business models will play out and they'll accelerate as they will. And, and, and we will find the, the future of, of journalism and, and where it rests. Um, so so I, I, to me, I think that's key. I think you know, one thing that I, I, I think is a fair um, struggle, and we, to be fair, we haven't run into this because we've been established for a while now. And so we, we easily, you know, qualified for the, the local journalism initiative reporters. We, we may qualify for the, the wage subsidy. But, but some of these programs have been created in a way that, that doesn't allow a true startup to take advantage of them. And, and I think that's wrong. I mean, I, I don't think these programs should be designed to protect or save the legacy industry. Um, I'm not saying they should be designed to 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 go against the legacy industry, but I, I think that they should also ensure that they are allowing, um, you know, the acceleration of new models and, and and helping them find ways as much as they are extending the runway of existing models. And so I, I think some work should definitely be done in that sense. Um, and, and then other than that, I mean, I, I have this kind of latest 
thought that that you know uh, you know I, I think the local journalism initiative has worked well and, and again i love the notion of of, of distribution of uh, via creative commons license and so I, I it leads me to ask well why in theory wouldn't cbc content be provided to publishers under creative commons license as well you know because is is not the goal of the cbc to to distribute their content which is excellent uh, as widely as possible to canadians and and that would be of big help to publishers like us as well uh, so that's that's another thing i certainly love to think talk more about these days yeah, no, that, that's a question I've been asking for a very long time as well, thinking that if it's publicly funded <laughs> through an organization like the CBC, it ought to be openly available. You know, I said there was the last question, but I guess one last thought. I mean, it, this has been a fascinating conversation, and it's striking that much of the public discourse has framed this issue as a tension between the large internet companies, particularly Facebook and Google, and media. And to a certain extent, what the picture that you've painted with the kind of innovation that takes place at your company and at, at many other companies across the country is that there are real existing tensions right now within the industry itself uh, between some of the, the legacy media and then, on the other hand, some of the, the new, more innovative digital companies, born digital, as you were saying earlier, um, who view the, the marketplace oftentimes in a somewhat different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there there definitely is some of that, and, and you know, maybe some of it's just natural. In some sense, we're we're, we're competitors, um, and, and and again, some sense of it is is just that the the, the 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 newspaper industry has long been part of this association together, and you know, they're they're friends. They they're running similar businesses. They have the same kind of goals, and and, and um, you know, so there's just some natural. Um, friction, I, I suppose, uh, between us that, that, that exists. And, and I think that's why I'd really love to see uh, a, another association form, because I think, you know, those are our people, right? I mean, those, the, the, hopefully we find more like us. And, and you know, I, this morning I had a great chat with the CEO of Narcity and, and he's doing great stuff. And I, I try to, to seek out the other digital publishers and, 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 and you know, there's, there's, there's some great positive stories. There's some awesome things going on. Um, in the country, in the world, um, in digital, there's some incredible journalism happening, um, you know, throughout the country from digital publishers. And, and I think we just, you know, we, we don't have that collective voice yet. And, 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 and that would be super helpful um, at this point. Yeah. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron Leboy. Music by the LeBoy Brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.